This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, August 10th, 2014. Even when you do wrong, Jesus loves you. Good morning, Connection Community Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two people who are kind of weird. We love Jesus. How about you? Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, I want to just say welcome to Will and Cindy. We miss you. They're visiting from uh, their disciple members. They moved out to Washington State way too far, but we're glad you're here with us today. Uh, Could we pray, please? God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made, a day where we get to hang out with one another and learn about you. Lord, open our hearts so that we might experience you or hear about you or maybe accept you even more than we did when we walked in through the door. So we give this time to you. Remove the distractions so that we can focus on um, your message for each one of us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. And so we are concluding uh, our series based on our vacation Bible school theme, Weird Animals, where Jesus' love is one of a kind. Do you know that you are one of a kind? You have been created unique and special. There's no one like you. Jesus created you that way, and we want to celebrate that today. And so our uh, theme is Jesus loves you. That's what the kids heard about. That's what they sang about all week. Today, Jesus loves you even when you do wrong. Mm. So one of, my, um, one of my favorite stories is found, uh, especially Jesus stories, is found in the book of John that's in the New Testament, fourth book in the New Testament. In the eighth chapter, we read where Jesus is in the temple and, and he's about to teach a lesson. He's seated because in those days the, uh, the rabbi or the teacher would sit to teach the lesson. As he's seated to start the lesson, there's some commotion and, and the religious leaders, some of the religious leaders and teachers of the law bring a woman in. And, and they share with Jesus that she's been caught in adultery. I always think that's interesting how that would have transpired, but I think that's a different story for a different day. But they bring her in caught in adultery, and they say to Jesus, the law of Moses says that she should be stoned, and what they meant was stoned to death. What do you say? See, this isn't about the woman. This is about Jesus, because they're testing him. They want to see what he's going to do, because they know it's very doubtful he's going to say, kill her, because of who Jesus is. But on the same token, that's what the law says. So they're trying to catch him kind of between. So Jesus kind of kneels down, and, and, and he starts writing letters. He starts writing in the, in the dust there, in the dirt. And there's a lot of speculation as to what he might be writing. One time I read somewhere it said, maybe he was writing the sins of the guys who brought the woman in. <laughs> I love that explanation. Anyway, he's writing, and they keep pushing and pushing and pushing him, so finally he gets up, and he says, okay, the one of you who is without sin, you cast the first stone. And he drops back down and starts writing again. 
Can you even imagine what it would have been like for that woman so publicly disgraced by her sin? It would be like, you know, marching a woman in through the door, putting her up on stage, all the lights on, and saying, you're a sinner, and here's what your sin is. And then the response, you know, a public stoning, death, that's what the penalty was for her sin. So a lot of us probably think, well, my sin's not that bad. I mean, that's adultery. Come on. That wouldn't be me. I didn't do that. I hope not. Maybe. Uh, And that hopefully is true. Although, you know, Jesus tells us that if we even look lustfully, at someone we've committed adultery, but let's say that's not you. <laughs> okay, so maybe you didn't, maybe you're not guilty of that sin, the sin of adultery. Maybe that isn't your sin, but I can guarantee you something. I guarantee you something for everybody here, including Carrie and me. There is a sin that is ours. It might not be that one, but we all have sinned, and so this is our story as well, isn't it? Different sin, but same story. Each of us has sinned, and here's the thing, we continue to sin. Even if we claim Jesus as Lord and Savior, we still sin. And when we get to the point where we think we're beyond sin, (laughs) that might even be worse, because now we're guilty of the sin of pride, (laughs) and that might be the worst sin of all. Amen? Amen. And so we all sin. That's what the Apostle Paul shares with us in the book of Romans. It's a scripture that, uh, if you've been around here for a while, we put up quite frequently. Romans 3, 23. Let's say it together. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You see, God's glorious standard, it's not like God wants us to we can't be God, but God's glorious standard is that God is perfect and that we are not. It's God's perfection. So we're all sinners. There are no exceptions. No one is exempt. You can take the most loving, caring, God-fearing, Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-thumper person and they, and then multiply that by a hundred or a thousand, and that person is still a sinner. Absolutely. We still, no matter how good we are, we still fall short of God's glorious standard, which means we all fall short of perfection. So let me kind of give you a a graphic example of this that, that might help us to just really bring it home here. So we start with God, okay? God. And we're going to use this, you're probably wondering what this ladder, it's not for to see if I can go up and down without breaking my neck here. And we're going to put God at the very, very top of the ladder, right where God would deserve to be, because God is at the top. Nothing higher, nothing better. And then thinking, okay, so let's think of, who do you think of would be like a really godly person, really Christ-centered person? By person who's like dedicated their life, and I was thinking, and I'm, I'm thinking, I hope a lot of you know this guy, Billy Graham. He's been around, I think Billy's still living, if I'm not he mistaken, he's, he's, he's getting up there, and I don't think he does as many 
crusades as he used to. I mean, this is a guy who could fill a stadium in uh, uh, Brazil with 80,000 people, and he doesn't even speak the language. You know, this is a godly guy. He's, he's prayed with presidents. He's well-known around the world. Uh, Billy's probably a pretty godly guy, wouldn't you say? So if you ask Billy, where do you belong on here? He'd probably say, wait, but I'm going to put him, if I had to pick, I'd say, let's put Billy, I don't know, maybe around, maybe let's say just here, okay? And he'd say, well, that's way too high, but I was thinking, okay, how about maybe somebody else? What's another kind of godly person? And, and you all remember this lady, right? Mother Teresa, she... She's no longer with us, but she was in India. She cared for the poor and dying. Her uh, uh, one place where she had carried 35,000 people from the streets of Calcutta inside just to care for them, to let them know that they're loved. Uh, she, I think she's up for sainthood. I mean, this woman's a pretty godly individual. Can I get an amen on that? But if you asked her, where do you stack up? Well, she'd say, oh, you know, she's quite humble, and probably would put herself below even Billy Graham, right? Well, but I'm going to raise her up here because I think that's where she belongs. Let's put her up there, okay? So then we come to you and me. Whew, it's pretty tough company, isn't it? I've kind of stacked it against us, haven't I? So if we were going to say, okay, I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for me. God, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa. Oh, boy. I'm going to uh, latch this. And that's probably a few notches higher, but you know the floor's there, so I can't probably get down where I really deserve to be. Wow. That's kind of, Mother Teresa's kind of crooked there. That's not fair. Come on, there we go. That's kind of tough, isn't it, when you look at it? That's a kind of a long distance to God. There's a pretty good gap there. Wow. So let's say that Billy's preaching and he gets a stadium filled with a million people instead of 80,000, and, and then he does it every night of the week, and is that going to raise him up? No, he gets it. He, he understands what that's all about, and so he would still put himself here, but we're respecting him and putting him there. Or Mother Teresa, you know, uh, she carries, you know, a million people instead of 35,000, and she works day and night and doesn't even stop. And we think, we, I might put her way up here, but in reality, she would, she would be off the ladder completely. She was so humble. But we're going to still put her here because we really respect what, what she's done. See, the point of all this is that what we do, what we do doesn't change our, you know, our good works don't change our sinfulness. They're just good works. They're just good works. And so the distance between us and God, it, it's pretty huge. There's a pretty big gap, isn't there? There's a big gap. Let me show you another graphic that might kind of ring this thing home. It's kind of like, <laughs> remember the old Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner cartoons? You know, there was always that, that cliff. Well, it's kind of like we have this cliff, us, but we, 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 we can't get fast enough and we don't have enough jump 
to clear that cliffway to get over to God. You with me? And that, that chasm between us, that place between us is called sin. That's what's separating us here, and that's what's separating us here. It's a, a sin gap. And, and we, on our own, are unable to bridge that. We can't jump over it. We can't go down the one side of the cliff and up the other. It's just, on our own, it's impossible for us to cross that, that, that gap of sin that we have on that graphic right there. Here's what we read in Romans uh, 6, 23. And this, this is it in a nutshell. For the wages of sin is death. In other words, death, separation from God. That's the wages of sin. I think that scripture is kind of a, a harsh scripture. The wages of sin is death. We're not talking about ceasing to breathe, you know, the end of our physical life. But as Alan said, death in the sense of a separation from God. When we are not separated, when we are not with God, but when we are separated from God, it's like we're living this dead life. We aren't experiencing the joy and the peace and the love that God has, the plan that God has for our lives. And so it's, it's like kind of death. And we hope this isn't the case, but some of you today may feel spiritually dead, like just all dried up inside spiritually. And the truth is that Satan would desire that. Satan would desire that for your life. In fact, that's Satan's goal, to just steal, kill, and destroy our lives, make us spiritually dead instead of alive in Christ. Mm. And you know, the thing is, when we hear that, about this separation, this sin gap, this death, we, our natural inclination is to try harder. You know, if I could just pray a little bit more, if I would just do that daily devotional and really make it daily. You with me? Maybe if I came to church, not just Sunday, but man, if they had a midweek service, you know, I kind of doubled it up. Or maybe if I came to all three on Sunday morning, I get some bonus points. You with me? Or maybe, I'm doing a little bit at the church now, but if I doubled my effort, maybe I'd double my points. Because we kind of think of it like a point thing, if we're not careful, like a big tote board in the sky, like God's tote board. Remember the old, the old Labor Day thing with Jerry Lewis? Maybe some of you remember that. And he had the tote board where he's getting money, he's crying, he's doing everything he can to get money pouring in, and the tote board's ringing up. You know, it's kind of like, gosh, we got this tote board, and all my good stuff has got ringing up the tote board, you know, ringing up the tote board. Okay, Johnny, how many points does Alan need? Well, how many does he have? As we're playing Earn Your Way to Heaven. Yeah. Go ahead, Johnny. <laughs> well, sometimes we think of the opposite of that, more like a golf score. Now, Alan and I used to play putt-putt a lot, and um, I understand. I don't get golf, actually, but anyway, uh, I don't want to alienate anybody who just loves it, but I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, when we used to play putt-putt, I know that the point is to get the ball in the hole with few strokes, right? Can we have an amen on that? Yeah. All right, okay. so the hole in one is the best, absolutely. But there were times when 
uh, I might have done it six times and then you go and you pick the ball up because it doesn't go. So I have to try to make that up. The next, the next stroke or round. Or, or hole. Or hole. And so it's like I've got to do better in order to win, correct? And that's not the way it works either. We just can't do better, you know, do bad one day, do better the next day. That's yeah. not how it works. Make less mistakes. The trouble is, no matter how good we play, no matter how few strokes we have, no matter how few bad things we do, let's say, um, how many we can shave off through the things we do, the good things we do, and this isn't to belittle the good things we do, they're important, but no matter how, how good we are, you know, the trouble is we still have more bogeys than we have birdies, don't we? We have more above par than below par scores throughout life. And in terms of the tote board in the sky there, no matter how many points we think we may be accumulating, we're, we're using them up faster than we can accumulate. It reminds me of at home when I do something good and I get some carry points, you know. I use them up before they even get on the tote board. Maybe some of you can appreciate that. Um, and that's true of that heavenly tote board, if there was one as well. You know, what we do wrong far outweighs what we do right. Our godlessness far outweighs our godliness. Basically, and we say this so often, but it's the truth and it needs repeating. Basically, we are sinners in need of a savior and we can't save ourselves no matter how hard we try. And if we think we can, that means that we think we're God. That's the truth. And so we're reminded here of the words of the Apostle Paul from his letter to the Ephesians, second chapter, verses 8 through 9, New International Version. For it is by grace, hear that? It's by grace, the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ that he died for you and me. By grace, not by works, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can, say with me, boast. No one can boast. It's not what I did, it's what Jesus did. But we want to share some good news with you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter who you've hurt, no matter how much you've been hurt, no matter how sinful we all are, Jesus still loves us. Jesus loves us. He can't help himself. We've been saying this, Jesus equals love. I mean, you see love, you see Christ. That's how it works. God is love. Jesus is love. You can't do anything to make God love you more or less. It's just love showered upon you. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's just there to receive. Perhaps the most well-known scripture in the Bible is John 3:16. It's on the screen. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so, Jesus loves us, God loves us enough to send his son to die on a cross so that we might live 
here on earth and in heaven with Christ. Mm. So Jesus loves you. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Yeah. Then turn to him and say, Jesus loves me. And see, you're not bragging when you say that because that's the truth. So this week in Vacation Bible School, that's what VBS stands for, by the way, Vacation Bible School, we've been looking at and talking about animals that are weird. Uh, there are a lot of weird animals, aren't there? Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking about this whole idea of weird this week. And, and probably for many of us, the weirdest thing is this idea that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me just as we are. And that's a hard one to grasp, a hard one to handle, kind of, because he loves us when we're not perfect. He loves us when we're down here on the ladder. Flaws and all. And Jesus loves us in that state enough that he's willing to give his very life for us. And so if we go back to that slide we had before, you see that gap we can't bridge. We can't jump across. We can't go down and up. But we can get across that chasm thanks to Jesus Christ. The cross, his death on the cross allows us to cross that chasm if we're if we say yes to a personal relationship with him. <laughs> More likely if we stop saying no. Just stop saying no and accept the gift that Jesus gave us, the gift of his life on the cross, his death on the cross, to pay for our sin. That crosses that sin gap between us and God. You know, we live in a very conditional strings attached world that that's what we know this conditional kind of love i mean i try not to be conditional i try to be unconditional with my kids with with you but there are old tapes and things that mess with us for example um if you do this i'll love you if you do this if you do that i'll love you if you don't do this i won't love you if you don't do that, I won't love you. There's always this if clause. That's what we're familiar with, that conditional love. But that is not so with Jesus. There's no if, but it's I do love you no matter what. Jesus loves us. This I know, for the Bible tells us so. That is the absolute truth. Jesus wants to share that love with everyone, everyone who allows Jesus to touch them. And he created us, so he wants us all to, um, to accept the relationship, the love that Jesus offers. We read John 3:16 a moment ago. Let's continue on with that. that this is verse 17 that comes right after 16. Let's say it together. For God did not send his son into the world, that's you, to condemn the world, that's you, but to save you through him. So back to our story. So Jesus says, um, you without sin cast the first stone and drops back down, writing again, 
in the dirt. And he realizes he's writing that one by one, the accusers leave, the elders first. And so that by the end, the only two left are Jesus and the woman. And he faces her. And he says, wow, there's nobody left to condemn you. He says, I don't condemn you either. That's not why I'm here. Go and leave this life of sin. Sin no more. So rather than condemn her, he called her to repentance. That's a church word, repentance. That means more than saying, I'm sorry, but changing our ways. Like the guy in the video, you know, he didn't just like not look, but he really, really was intent on changing. So he like throws the computer out so that he wouldn't be tempted. He was changing his ways. Jesus offers that same love, that same relationship for us. And when we sin, God wants us, Jesus wants us to acknowledge it. I'm really sorry, God, but more than that, I'm going to try to not do that again. I want to live the way, the life that you offer me, Lord. That's what repentance is. You know, sometimes we get the notion that, um, that there's no way Jesus could love us, or let me put it more personally, maybe you get the notion, there's no way Jesus could love me after the things I've done. You know, if you only knew, if he only knew, well, Jesus does know. <laughs> if you only knew what I've done, you, you wouldn't love me and neither would Jesus. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that could be further from the truth. That's the very reason Jesus came to earth in the first place, because of the things we've done. <laughs> because we are sinners in need of a Savior. He, he said it, it's like people in a hospital, they're there because they're sick. Sick people need a doctor. Sinning people need Jesus. We're in need of a Savior, and we can't save ourselves. And so there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that's beyond the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Nothing. You can't mess up so much that Jesus won't love you. You can't mess up so much that Jesus won't forgive you. You can't mess up so much that Jesus won't save you. You can't mess up so much that Jesus didn't die for you. Because he died for each and every one of us, you included. In fact, if you were the only one here, he would have done it just for you. Just for you. He would have died for you. You know, the fact that you're sitting here today, <laughs> praise the Lord, is because Jesus wants a personal relationship with you so that you can know just how much he loves you. In the Bible, there are um, so many great things that tell us that. But there's a, a story that Jesus tells. These are words of Jesus. He taught people in something called parables. 
It's a story to show a greater truth. And there's a parable found in Matthew chapter 13. Words are on the screen. This is Jesus' talk. And the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. See, can you see? They're just like us. They were wondering about heaven just like we do, and Jesus is trying to teach. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it again. So when we often think about this, we think, okay, so that we, we need to um, not have material things uh, control us. We need to sell out to God, so to speak. And, and that's, that's fair. But what happens when we turn that upside down? Jesus turned a lot of things upside down. What happens if we turn that upside down and consider that you and I are the hidden treasure in the field? That you and I are the pearl of great price? And Jesus is buying the field. And Jesus is purchasing the pearl. Well, he did. He purchased us with his life. He traded his life for ours because you are of utmost value to him. Jesus would do anything for you, for us, and he did. He died. So here's the thing. The treasure is you. The treasure is you. And Jesus wants you to know that. Do you know it? Do you feel it? If, if you're on the fence with that, that's okay. Just in faith. It's like, sometimes it's like, okay, I choose to believe this. I'm going to believe this. I don't have this you know, voice coming down, you are a treasure, but just say, okay, I'm going to choose to believe the truth. That's what faith is. Faith is believing in those things that we cannot see. But we can choose, and we want to tell you the truth. We always try to tell the truth. The treasure is you. And Jesus loves you so very much. That is the good news that we wanted to share today. Let's believe it and live it. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, it's um, really weird to think that we don't have to uh, rack up these points with you for you to love us uh, even more. It's, it's weird to think that um, it's not about that, but it's about accepting, receiving the relationship, opening up the gift. It's like opening up the present that you just want to give us. I would pray that there's nobody here today that would leave without at least exploring what that's all about. And those of in this room who are farther along in their journey would say, okay, I'm not going to believe the lies, the old tapes, but yeah, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God. Thank you for redeeming us, for purchasing us, for trading your life for ours. And all we can do, Lord, is just live a life 
of gratitude and thanksgiving. I pray this for Connection Church, for the world, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.